Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewalt, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we're blessed to have a second time guest and one of the finest investigative reporters in America, John Solomon. We are so fortunate to talk with John, whose distinguished career has taken some very interesting twists from mainstream media reporting to conservative journalist and entrepreneur. There's probably no one better in the United States to comment on the current disintegration of traditional media. Well, John, welcome back to the show. Good to be with you. Yeah. There is, uh, there is so much news and so little time to talk about it. But uh, one, of the to- <laughs> one of the topics I wanted to jump into, you, you guys wrote a fantastic article, pretty extraordinary even for the times that we're living in. Basically, it was talking about how the CIA participated in election interference in the 2020 election when they drafted a letter and had key intel officials sign it basically stating that the hunter laptop was really nothing but russian disinformation tell us a little bit about that and you know how how much traction has that gotten in the media this is a big deal it is and uh the or the letter is triggered or encouraged by the biden campaign in the fall of 2020 when they're in hand-to-hand combat with Donald Trump, the uh, Hunter Biden laptops come out and Joe Biden is trying to dismiss it. And so uh, a former acting director of the CIA, very powerful man, now retired, but still with a lot of credentials and still a security clearance at the time, Mike Morrell is out there and he organizes the letter and he gets a lot of his former colleagues, people who are retired to sign the letter. What's interesting though, is that we've now learned in recent days from documents made available by Jim Jordan and James Comer that uh, the uh, a, a CIA official in the pre-publication review office, so an active duty CIA, someone who is still in the employment of the United States government, they're involved in not only reviewing the letter, but according to the testimony of at least one witness to Congress, they were involved in encouraging people to sign the letter to make a claim that was not supported by an ounce of intelligence. There wasn't a single intel- a piece of intelligence that the laptop was fake or phony or Russian disinformation or that Russian intelligence was actually pushing it. In fact, the FBI knew it was a real laptop and had it in its possession going back to 2019, uh, December of 2019. So remarkable that you have an active duty CIA official, 50 plus uh, former intelligence officials, most of them previously working at the CIA, including several former CIA directors, all signing a letter, putting their credentials that the American taxpayers gave them uh, there to fool the American voter into thinking the laptop should be dismissed when, in fact, it was a very real piece of evidence. I, I mean, it, it, like I said, this is an extraordinary uh, type of story that you guys are breaking because it's um, yeah. the trust that the American people place in their government, right? Uh, especially in 2020, I, I think things are changing rapidly in that trust right now based on articles and stories like yeah. this. But that, I mean, that has a major impact on an election. Yeah, it does. And this one clearly did. If you take a look at what people say in the post polling, they didn't know about it before the election because it got uh, basically blacklisted or uh, censored. And if they did know about it, they're actually very concerned about it now and say that it might change their vote this election or would have changed their vote in 2020. Uh, It is one of the great political dirty tricks. And it sort of fits a pattern uh, that goes back to 16 with Russia collusion, where, again, the intelligence community, in that case, the FBI, was involved in creating the illusion that Donald Trump uh, was some sort of a Russian agent and uh, rigging the election when in fact no such evidence existed. And I wanna point out uh, something that ties those two events together. 
as I mentioned a little bit ago, Mike Morrell, the former acting CIA director, longtime deputy director of the CIA, uh, he was involved in the Russia collusion uh, scandal too. And back in late June, early August of um, 2016, he's one of the first people to come out and suggest that Donald Trump is a recruited agent uh, by, of, of Vladimir Putin. Obviously, that wasn't true. He sort of injects that into the election while endorsing Hillary Clinton in the summer of 2016. Around that time, you see a letter comes out, just like the modus operandi in 2020, 50-plus intelligence experts kind of saying Donald Trump's unfit to be office, raising these concerns. Uh, two consecutive elections where a very, former, a very high former senior CIA director is fooling the American public. You know, it, it's amazing because you, now you're even you're taking it from 2020 and you're bringing it back four more years to 2016. This stuff was yeah. happening back then. You would th and, and Donald Trump obviously aware of this stuff. You would have thought you would think that someone would be able to do something about it. I think, you know, Americans are, are sitting back and saying or screaming right now and saying, why isn't someone doing something about this? Maybe yeah. Donald Trump had a chance to do that four years ago, uh, a couple years ago. I, it sounds like it didn't happen. And then, you know, what would change if he were to get into office next year? Well, when you listen to his speeches now, when you look at his vision that he's laying out for the American people, should he be elected in 2024, Donald Trump is very clear that he wants to reorganize substantially the United States intelligence community and the FBI. In fact, he was working on such a plan going into the 2020 election and never got, he got, never got manifested because he lost the election. But the effort to realize that there is a fourth branch of government now, one that our, our founding fathers did not intend to be an independent branch of government. We got the judiciary, the legislature, the executive branch. Now you get the permanent bureaucracy, which seems to exercise its will and its intention and its interference in elections without the blessing of a Congress or, or uh, an executive branch or the judiciary. And so uh, I think Donald Trump would have a substantial shrinking of the, of the government bureaucracy and a substantial reigning in. But even before we get to that, there's a very important moment playing out right now in Congress. The, uh, a key part of the FISA law, uh, the uh, really the remnants of the Patriot Act, the post 9-11 Patriot Act, comes up for a renewal later this year. And to a person, every Republican uh, in a leadership position on Judiciary Committee and others, tell me that they're going to reform that law to end the sort of warrantless surveillance that we've allowed for the last two decades, which the FBI took advantage of, not only in Russia collusion, but in so many other places. There are so many FISA warrants that targeting Americans in the last few years that the Inspector General of the Justice Department, Chief Watchdog, said were erroneous, misleading, and violation of the law. And I think uh, Congress, for the first time, has been rubber stamping those powers since 9-11, since the terrible tax of day. Not going to rubber stamp it, th stamp it this time. Could restrain it or, if not, put severe new restrictions on warrantless spying here in America. Mm. Well, let's, uh, let's hope that uh, the Congress follows through on that, like you said. And then it's interesting to hear what you said about Donald Trump. I mean, those, those are fighting words. And we see, yeah. you know, even on the Democratic side, right? So RFK Jr. is actually coming out talking about the CIA's involvement yes. in, in um, Kennedy's death, right, as a president. So, you know, it's coming yeah. out on both sides, it, it appears. Yeah. Listen, just a few moments ago, just before I came on air with you, I was interviewing Rick Prado, one of the most decorated uh, clandestine CIA officers in, in history. He went from Iran-Contra all the way through the war on terror, uh, set up the bin Laden unit to chase down bin Laden. Really one of the most accomplished and trusted and respected CIA officers in modern history. 
And he said to me, I'm very deeply worried that there are people in the CIA and intelligence community today that have abused their credentials. And he specifically called out that letter as an example of something that should never be done by anyone. Even if you retire from the intelligence community, he said, you have an obligation to remain neutral and not to use the skills and tactics you learned at American taxpayer expense to protect this country and turn it against them in uh, use it against them in an election, the American people against an election, which really essentially is what the Hunter Biden laptop was in 2020 and what Russia collusion was in 2016. Two efforts to take the tactics that the intelligence community has of creating false reality. We have psyops, we have propaganda operations in our intelligence community that we use against our enemies. A lot of people believe those tools will turn against the American people in 16 and 20 to influence the elections. A very scary thought. It is. It, it's absolutely terrifying. I, I couldn't agree with you more. But from what I'm hearing you say, and, and again, a lot of the research you guys are doing and the interviews that you're talking about, do you feel that we're getting to a critical mass where the, the population is awakening to this and they're ready for a change? I think the population has been ready for a change for a while. I think going all the way back to Edward Snowden, some of the early leaks about surveillance and the, the derision of American civil liberties under a very robust FBI, very robust intelligence community. I think the warning signs have been on the radar for a long time blinking. I think 2016 people ultimately, even with the media blockade, figured out that the FBI abused its power. In 2020, people are now just figuring out they were lied to that the intelligence community didn't put a thumb on the scale, they put two concrete mortar blocks on the scale and, and really changed the outcome of the election. And I think people are ready, the majority of people in this country are ready for a change. The establishment and the elites in Washington are holding on for dear life to preserve the current system, probably because it can be abused. But that clash is going to play out in the 2024 election. That I think will be a big part of what the 2024 election is about. Will we keep spending ridiculously? Will we keep abusing civil liberties? Will we keep weaponizing law enforcement, which traditionally have been a neutral? And I think those are the big fundamental questions that Americans are going to face when they go to the polls in the next election. Well, it's, uh, it's encouraging to see all this stuff starting to come out and people waking up. Yeah. And you, you just get the impression, like, will the system break before we get to 2024? Because there seems to be so much momentum, so much coming out. And it's, it's yeah. been obviously chaotic. We see what's happening at the border. I mean, it's just everywhere we turn, there's chaos right now in this country. And so you, we just there hope is. we can keep it together to, at least to the election. So. Yeah, I think that's exactly what all of us need to do. We need to hold it together. We, in times of strife, this country has always come together. We've always put our country before politics. And hopefully in these next crucial months, which we are in a really perilous moment in American history, the, the wise counsel of the American people will prevail over the elitists who oftentimes try to blow up this country. Yeah, absolutely. So, so John, we talked a lot about the, the Biden family corruption and, and all the information coming out around that and the support they're getting from different branches of the government. Uh, do, is there more to this story, though? Because it, it appears that obviously we see Republicans in Congress pushing for more transparency and revealing these things. But we also, it also appears that the Democrats are starting to leak some of this information. Is there something more going on here? Yes, I think so. I think people are beginning to realize that the Biden family operation overseas was expansive, that it often targeted unsavory countries or unsavory, unsavory foreign figures who needed something from Joe Biden as vice president. That's something we don't like to see. We don't like to see even the perception that government is for sale, even if it wasn't. 
Uh, and I think that we now know State Department officials thought there was the appearance of a conflict of interest. People working for Joe Biden saw it for what it is. Of course, they didn't speak up enough mm -hmm. to stop it. I think we're going to learn a lot more, and I think the key to solving just how bad was the Biden influence operation, because uh, influence peddling on its own isn't a crime, but trading policy, uh, U.S. policy decisions for money would be a crime, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act bribery, is knowing what, were there specific policy actions that were taken for now the very large flow of money, 10 million plus, it was just identified in the last week by James Comer. Uh, if policy was specifically crafted to solve a problem or to deliver a, something of value to a Hunter Biden or a James Biden or a Biden family client, then we have a real serious uh, uh, issue here. Otherwise, we've got tax issues with Hunter Biden, which we know are going to come to bear pretty soon. Uh, the key is the former business partners of Hunter Biden, people like Devin Archer uh, and, and Eric Schwerwin. If they cooperate with Congress and they provide a, uh, a very clear blueprint of what Joe Biden was doing, did he do it because it was good policy or did he do it because it benefited a client? To get those answers, that will be the thing that moves the needle most in, Amer in the American populace going into the 2024 election. Do you, do you see this playing out where the Democrats you kind of shift strategies and move on to a different candidate or are they going to stick with Biden no matter what? They seem to be dug down on Biden right now. I don't think, you know, Robert Kennedy has the protest vote and he's got 20% of the Democratic primary voters. If you believe the current polls, that's pretty significant. Uh, but I don't think the establishment will abandon Joe Biden, at least not yet. I think Joe Biden would have to abandon the race for the establishment to abandon him. Yeah, okay. So uh, what do you see around the corner? Any big stories coming up between, you know, between now and the election that we're not aware of right now? What we're going to get, I think, as early as the next 24 hours, the Durham report, the final product of John Durham and all that went wrong in the 2016 election, all the abuses, all the things. That's a very significant revelation and something that we got to be ready for. Uh, like I said, if the if the Hunter Biden business partners cooperate, that could significantly tell us exactly what Joe knew, when he knew it, what he did, and did he benefit from any of the uh, foreign uh, clients that his money was, uh, his family was receiving money from. I think those are very significant things. And then, listen, another thing to be keeping an eye on is the economy. All elections are pocketbook elections. And if people feel like the economy is teetering towards recession or does tip into recession, if stagflation is here, meaning a slowing of the economy, rising of interest rates, and a continuation of uh, inflation, which we've seen, uh, those are all things that could put the voters in a very sour mood, would be a very bad dynamic for Joe Biden going in and a good dynamic for whoever the Republican nominee is going to be. Yeah, I, we, we started to talk by saying, you know, so much news and so little time to talk about it. But, um, you know, I, I, I agree. I, we got to rip that Band-Aid off. We're getting attacked from so many different angles right now, but we yeah, got to let the, the population know what's going on. And look, the stuff that you're doing at Just the News, absolutely fantastic, right? So people, Americans are hungry for the truth. I, I know that they are. And we see trends now, right? We see Tucker Carlson um, maybe doing something on Twitter or whatever it is. So um, are we finally seeing the death knell of mainstream media? Does anyone even trust them anymore? Well, listen, they're going to be around. They're going to occupy a space uh, for the long future. But they don't have the gatekeeper's function, the absolute gatekeeper's function that made Russia collusion believable in 2016 or made the Hunter Biden laptop censorable in 2020. What you've seen is a whole new ecosystem of what you've built and what others have built, uh, the rise of Real America's Voice, the rise of uh, the Star News Network. There's an ecosystem of 
uh, news operations that try to provide facts that are currently being denied the American public, and they don't reach just a few hundred thousand people now, they reach millions and tens of millions a month. And uh, that ability to get around the blockade, the information blockade, is what is empowering. So people, you even people see liberal reporters abandoning uh, the liberal press uh, in going to their own sites, Matt Taibbi and, and uh, folks like that. And I think that that is a, a sign that there's something fundamentally shifting in the media equation today. It's not going to be a, a lucrative future for legacy media. You saw a couple of um, recent legacy media organizations go out, right, out of business recently. Vice filing for uh, the, the liberal-leaning, uh, once champion of young readers, uh, Vice has uh, declared bankruptcy, and BuzzFeed, another one of those yes. ones that catered uh, or pandered to young Americans, they also, uh, they've gone out of business. They're shutting down. So. Uh, the market has spoken, and you're beginning to see some harsh judgments to organizations that, for a while, own the oxygen in the media space. Yeah, no, I, I, we're we're seeing that de de definitely. And so, John, how how could we support your work? Because you're doing some great stuff. Well, listen, the best thing to do is just go read things at justinnews.com. Go listen to John Solomon reports a podcast. Watch the Justin News No Noise television show on Real America's Voice every night at 6 p.m. with my amazing co-host, uh, Amanda Head. Viewing and clicking on ads, supporting our advertisers, certainly one of the most things. I've also written a book, a children's book for the first time in my life. I never thought I'd do that. It's called Hidden Headlines. It's available from Brave Books, bravebooks.us. And uh, if you buy that, you'll be supporting an effort by Brave Books to create an alternative in the libraries and to the schools to all of the woke literature that has now seeped in and poisoned the minds of one or two generations of children. So Hidden Headlines is a new book. You can get it from bravebooks.us. Those sort of things make a difference, not just to me personally, but to the entire ecosystem that uh, uh, patriots today are trying to build an alternative to the current information system that we've been forced to tolerate for so long. Yeah, we, we love uh, Brave Books here and, and the work that they're doing. And so that, I didn't know you wrote a book for them. I think that's fantastic. And, and you're right. I mean, the children are under attack, right? If they ever make it past the womb uh, and get to school, they're under even more attack. So um, that's awesome. So thank you for doing that. Oh, my pleasure. It's very exciting. And uh, even stars my son's hamster, Chunk. So he plays a newspaper in the fictional story, newspaper editor in the fictional story. So we have a lot of fun, even as a little family skin in the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. John Solomon, thank you so much for all that you're doing. Great honor. Great to be with you today. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. And don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.